The following is a conversation between Rohan Pavaluri, co-founder and CEO of Upsolve, and Denver Frederick, the host of The Business of Giving. Upsolve, a nonprofit that enables low-income Americans to file for Chapter 7 bankruptcy on their own, was founded to address a huge injustice in America. The injustice that inspired its founding has now become more clear to more people in light of recent events. And here to talk about that with us is Rohan Pavaluri, the co-founder and CEO of Upsolve. Welcome back to the business of giving, Rohan. Denver, thank you so much, as always. Before we delve into all that is happening today, tell us about Upsolve and the mission of the organization. Upsolve is a nonprofit that helps low-income families file for bankruptcy for free using our online web app. There's this huge problem in America that millions of low-income families can benefit from access to our bankruptcy system, which is supposed to be a tool that helps them recover from financial hardship. But millions of people can't actually afford to file for bankruptcy because they can't afford the $1,500 on average that it costs somebody in order to file for bankruptcy. So that's why we started Upsolve in order to help people get back on their feet and be able to get the fresh start that they're entitled to. Mm-hmm. For people who are thinking of filing for bankruptcy, Rohan, what are the pros and what are the cons that are associated with making such a decision? Of course. So I definitely everybody's case is unique and talking to a lawyer can always be a very, very good idea. But in general, when people have so much debt that they're not able to get out of the debt through their own income, bankruptcy can be a great tool as a last resort to clear medical debt, and we're talking about chapter seven, medical debt and credit card debt. If people have medium to high credit scores, the cons include perhaps lower credit over time or not being able to file for bankruptcy again in an eight-year period. So it's important Mm. to file at the right time. And we've been lucky to date to help clear overall over $200 million in debt for low-income families who are suffering from medical bills, layoffs, payday loans. That is amazing. Are there a lot of people who are in financial dire straits that don't even realize that bankruptcy is an option for them? Totally. So part of our mission at Upsolve is to help low-income families file for bankruptcy for free, but also to just educate them. We have 150,000 people coming to our website per month right now. And there are so many people, when they think the word bankruptcy, they think of sort of something being sketchy, perhaps. And what most people don't realize is that our founding fathers actually included bankruptcy in our constitution. And that was really important because before people had a way of using our legal system in order to clear their debts, oftentimes people were put in prison because they couldn't pay back their debts or they're put in prison because they just couldn't meet their obligations to their creditors. And so we think it's an important part of this country and what makes America unique. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people also, when they think of bankruptcy, they think of only corporations filing for bankruptcy. And our view at Upsolve is that if the largest corporations in America, more recently, J. Crew, Neiman Marcus, JCPenney, are able to use bankruptcy as a tool to recover from hardship, everybody else should also have that same tool that's available to our largest corporations. I would imagine you've seen people get a new lease on life once they've done that and get a fresh start and a second chance to make something of themselves and their lives and their families. 
Totally. Just last month, we actually added one of our former users, beneficiaries, Elisa Pratt, uh, a community member in the Bronx and a leader to our board of directors. Good so work. it's really amazing to see the phenomenal things our users go on to do and achieve. That's fantastic. Now, bankruptcies are traditionally a lagging indicator, but pandemic has been going on for a while now. So what have you seen in terms of new filings? So we've seen our own filing rates stay pretty constant because we do believe that bankruptcy is a last resort. And if you lost your job in March or April or May, chances are that things aren't going to get better immediately. So because you can only file once in an eight-year period, it often makes sense for people to wait until they've hit the worst part of their financial situation. So it's important for people to know about bankruptcy, but it is not the first step when you start to experience financial distress or hardship. We have, though, seen that the resources we put out related to COVID and bankruptcy have gotten an immense amount of interest and site traffic. We did a study with an HBS professor since COVID started. 22% of all of our users indicate that their main reason that they're filing is related to COVID. Mm-hmm. And in New York, that number is 34%. Wow. So, so people are coming to our website and they are filing for bankruptcy very much because of COVID. One in three New Yorkers is filing for bankruptcy with Upsolve because of COVID. And there've been a lot of moratoriums given on rent and things of that sort. When they expire, it could really pick up during the course of the summer, I would suspect. Totally. And same thing with when unemployment checks also start to Exactly. So you said it costs, I don't know, $1,500 or so to hire a bankruptcy lawyer to file, but you guys are able to do this for low-income people for free. Walk us through the process of when somebody comes to the website, how it would work and how you effectuate all that. So the insight that we had was that technology could help scale the number of people our team could assist. And before Upsolve existed, people would file for bankruptcy in a very manual way, meeting with the paralegal or attorney face-to-face. And we realized that we could actually use technology to help many, many more people file than traditional brick and mortar legal aid nonprofits help people when they're filing for bankruptcy. So the way it works, somebody comes to our website, they take a screener to see if they are a good fit for our service. And we help people with straightforward cases, people who don't own expensive property. And then they just answer a bunch of questions about their finances, what they earn, spend, own, and owe. It's a lot like TurboTax. And then our software just takes that information and populates their forms And somebody takes those forms and they file them with the court. And this approach of using technology to help people file for bankruptcy has allowed us to be extremely capital efficient too. And we care a lot about that. We've relieved over $100 in debt for every $1 we've spent. So so that's our pitch to people who fund us is in terms of high impact, because we have low marginal costs and because technology allows us to scale, we're able to do something really special at Upsolve. Mm-hmm. You said a moment ago, we filed it with the court. So with the bankruptcy courts closed, has that impacted this whole operation? So the courts being closed has actually revealed a great injustice in how our legal system treats people who can't afford lawyers. Mm-hmm. So before COVID, people who could afford lawyers were able to file electronically, but people who couldn't afford lawyers, they had to mail their forms or they had to file them physically with the court. And that was straight discrimination against people who can't afford lawyers. It's discrimination against poor people. 
Mm-hmm. And courts have actually stepped up and we've been really delighted to see them implement online filing systems for uh, file transmission for people who are filing on their own. But several courts continue to require people to file their forms manually, either by mailing their forms and or hand delivering them to the court. And that puts them at, at risk. So our hope is that it will be a permanent feature that courts permit online filing for everyone rather than requiring people who can't afford a lawyer to file by hand. Yeah, well, that would be one of the few silver linings to come out of this whole thing. Stimulus checks. I'm going to file for bankruptcy. I get a $1,200 stimulus check maybe a couple weeks ago or maybe one coming down the pike. Can creditors have access to that or is that protected? So this is an interesting thing that the or Congress didn't put any protections in place to protect the stimulus checks from being seized in bank- bankruptcy. The Treasury Department gave credit card companies the green light to perhaps collect these debts and didn't put any protections or guidance in place to stop trustees from seizing the $1,200 checks. But the Justice Department actually put some guidance in place that discouraged trustees who represent creditors in a bankruptcy from seizing the $1,200 checks. So in our experience, it did make more sense, we felt, for people to delay bankruptcy filings due to the uncertainty. But we are grateful that the U.S. Office of the Trustee and the Justice Department did take some action. The operations of Upsolve are guided by OKRs, Objectives and Key Results. Explain what they are and then how you use them, Rohan, across the organization. Totally. So the most important thing to keep in mind, I think, is that OKRs allow an organization to concretely measure what matters to them and to track their progress on a weekly, quarterly, annual basis. And most for-profit companies have some set of KPIs or OKRs set up. And the main feature I would say about OKRs is that they're aspirational. And Mm -hmm. a successful OKR is when you hit 70% of the goal that you set for yourself. And if you hit over 90%, then you potentially didn't put the right OKR because then you're achieving all of the goal and it wasn't aspirational enough. But how we concretely incorporate OKRs into our work at Upsolve is we very much have a North Star of the number of cases we file, but then we have a lot of other factors that go into the number of cases we file. For example, how many people drop out of the process when they start Upsolve, how long it takes for us in terms of human time to service each case when people have questions. So we have OKRs for every team at Upsolve, whether it's the engineering team, the program team, or our growth team, which is focused on getting more people to our website. And that's how we run our organization is every team has an OKR or set of OKRs for a quarterly basis. And we are very obsessed with making sure we track our progress and we reassess on a regular basis how we're doing. And we think that this is one place where the nonprofit sector can very much borrow from the for-profit sector when it comes to the rigor at which we evaluate our outcomes and results. I gather the way you're talking about it, you've seen a real difference, haven't you? Totally. I think from the very beginning, we would not have been able to get to $200 million in debt relieved or $100 in debt relieved for every dollar spent had we not been so obsessed with tracking our own metrics. But that doesn't discount from the importance of actually talking to users as well. Mm -hmm. I continue, even though we're a technology-driven organization, product-led, to talk to at least eight users per week 
and we shower ourselves in feedback. So really in terms of coming up with goals and aspirations, it's a mix between looking at the data that we analyze every week, but also looking at what people have to say about our product and collecting feedback from them in their own words. Right. But those eight people you talk to, that's one of your OKRs, isn't it? Totally. Uh, Speaking about talk, there has been more talk about racial inequity in the last two weeks than I think there's been in the past 10 years. And you have watched the legal system at work up close. How do the rules that lawyers use today to regulate their own profession promote that inequity? So lawyers have this set of rules called unauthorized practice of law, UPL, to regulate who can provide legal advice and really that grant a monopoly on providing legal advice to lawyers. These laws are a civil rights injustice. They promote racial inequality. And the reason they promote racial inequality is because they limit the supply of helpers available to Black people in this country. If you think about who can provide legal advice and who disproportionately has access to becoming a lawyer, it's white people. 5% of the legal profession is Black. Mm -hmm. And then think about who disproportionately can't afford a lawyer. Black people have 10 times fewer assets on average than white people in America. Black people are much less likely to be able to afford a lawyer than white people in America, and they're much more likely to face financial hardship. So the rules that limit the supply of helpers available to being just lawyers, just people who can afford over 100K in three years of graduate school education, promote inequity in who has access to our justice system and and their civil rights injustice. And the people who believe in these rules often talk about consumer protection. And consumer protection is important, but it's not black and white. People who say that we need UPL rules to stay the way they are, they lack nuance in their discussions around consumer protection because it's not an all or nothing matter. We can have a new set of rules that allow people to provide meaningful legal assistance, but not be lawyers in multiple areas of poverty law, for example, bankruptcy, evictions, and housing law, family law for uncontested divorces, social security, disability, consumer debt collection, where people who are helpers aren't full-blown lawyers, but provide the same level of assistance. That is possible. We can have 10 times the number of helpers. We can provide Black people in America with more access to legal assistance without harming consumers. And that's something that needs to happen. And we can have a more imaginative conversation around regulating the legal industry than what exists today. It's a little bit, I guess, analogous to community health workers or nurse practitioners. You don't need a full-fledged doctor for every little scrape. Totally. If I have a headache, I can go to Walgreens and I can buy an Advil and treat myself. I don't need to go to the emergency room. The legal profession has no equivalent to Advil or very few equivalents to Advil that allow people with issues that are legal issues to affordably address their problems. And as a result, they don't have access to justice in this country. And Black people in America disproportionately do not have access to justice in this country within our civil justice system, as well as our criminal justice system. So that must change if we want to live in a more equitable nation. And there is a path forward in certain states like Arizona, Utah, California, Illinois, bar associations and Supreme Courts have welcomed discussion around changes to the regulation of the legal industry. 
And every state must take it upon themselves to reassess their rules on who can provide legal advice to afford to create a more affordable system with more helpers that aren't just lawyers. And think about professions like librarians, social workers, community health workers. You can pretty easily think about modules to train each of them in different areas of the law, teach them their own ethics and professional responsibilities, but give them the tools to help and give them uh, tests that they need to take to be competent in certain areas of the law. That is possible. We just need a will and we need lawyers to invite other professions into the mix. Right. Let me ask you about leadership in a crisis, Rahan. What have you found to be the keys to it? And is there anything from this experience that will be a takeaway for you and will help inform the way you lead in the future? So COVID is an unprecedented event in human history and in the history for sure of the 21st century. So every nonprofit, I believe, needs to frame itself in terms of its response to a changing world due to COVID. And to not forget that we're reacting to unprecedented financial hardship in America is one thing that I've kept in mind. And then especially given the events of this past week, something that's important for anybody who's addressing poverty to keep in mind is that they are working on racial injustice. Poverty and race and class in America are inextricably tied. The racial wealth gap is something everybody needs to put at the forefront of their work. It originates in slavery and centuries of white oppression. And we need to keep in mind that the work we're doing is not just about socioeconomic class, but it's about addressing white oppression and addressing centuries of racism. Mm -hmm. Finally, Rohan, chromatic events like this, boy, they bring an endless series of challenges, but they also provide opportunities for organizations and societies to learn and evolve. So what opportunities do you see coming out of this, not just for our country, but also for Upsol? So I think that one thing that's important is to keep in mind the policy solutions that this brings to the forefront. And of course, one we talked about was addressing the regulation of the legal profession. Another is legal simplicity we would have a much more just, much more accessible legal system if courts redesigned their rules and redesigned their processes around the assumption that people don't have lawyers. When four to five people can't afford a civil legal aid lawyer or can't afford a lawyer and get turned down by a civil legal aid because there just aren't enough resources available, it's crazy that multiple judges and court systems in this country are designed around the assumption that people We'll have lawyers. Mm -hmm. We need to redesign our legal system for areas of poverty law around the assumption that people won't have lawyers because that's what the reality is. And, and so I hope that COVID brings about some radical reimagination and sort of brainstorming of what our legal system could look like. And of course, in the coming months, we're really excited on our own team to start tackling other areas of the law. We've started experiments in student loans in helping people deal with their student loans, helping people deal with credit report issues and unjust practices, helping people fight back against creditors who are harassing them. We're excited to think about ways to get involved with debt collection judgments. So we feel like the time is right to explore other areas of financial distress as well. Well, that's all very exciting. When you get that developed, you got to come back and tell us about it. <laughs> for, for sure. Thank you so much, Denver. As yeah, well. just one last thing, though. For listeners who want to learn more about this work or maybe help you financially support it, tell us about your website. 
Anybody can reach out, go to upsolve.org, U-P-S-O-L-V-E.org to learn more, or people feel free to send me an email directly at Rohan, R-O-H-A-N, at upsolve.org. Well, thanks, Rohan. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you, as always, Denver.